somebody who's really passionate about the word and they're like really going out in faith and taking risks and all those types of things, one of the first questions we might think about is, are you called to be a pastor? Are you called to ministry? But why do we automatically assume that that's what they're called to? What if you're just called uh, to be a graphic designer and you love the word of God and you love praying for people? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What if you're an insurance salesman and you love the word of God and you can't stop talking about it and you love praying for people? You know what I'm saying? So God has, um, the fire is meant for everybody. The fire is meant for everybody. And we don't need a bunch, we don't need everybody to be a pastor because our scope and reach are very limited. We need everybody going into all the four corners of the world, every area of society. We need the lawyers. We need teachers. We need politicians. Uh, we need businessmen, every, medical professionals. We need, we need everybody in every area of society carrying the fire of God. So that's why we want to equip people as best as we can. We're not, we don't ever claim to be perfect in anything that we do, but we are sincere. <laughs> this is a uh, commission that God gave us. Is uh, The verse, Isaiah 62.10, go through. Go through the gates, clear the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, and lift up a standard over the people. And, and uh, in particular, you know, lifting up a standard for us is just staying true to the gospel, preaching what, what the Bible preaches, and staying true to that. And then we also, in our community, we desire for people to stand with one another face-to-face, meaning we have open and honest relationships with each other. We honor one another. If, uh, you know, if we've got a problem with somebody, then we don't talk to somebody else about that problem we have with someone. We, we go and talk to them in an honoring way, respectfully. And uh, it's just like, you know, it's, you learn how to, a lot of times you, you don't know how to relate because, of the culture that you grew up in. I used to teach school, believe it or not, uh, back in was the school year 2002, 2003. Who graduated in 2003? Raise your hand, anybody. Daniel. Daniel would have been a senior in my class. But it, it, um, I had a kid, and we had this fourth period class that me and this other coach, coach and it's, I think – they were trying to give all the other teachers a break, and they put all the kids that were known for giving people a hard time, we'll put it that way, they put them all in this one class. I mean, I read through the roster. I was like, whoa. And uh, me and the other kids, and that's, I guess there's like, there's two men, coaches in there. They can handle it. So anyways, um, we, we taught world history or U.S. history, and uh, one kid, you know, he wanted to go to the bathroom. I let him go. And then a couple other kids, I got to go to the bathroom too, coach. Let them go. Three more hands went up. I got to go to the bathroom. You know, it just kept, it was like, I could see what was happening. Everybody's just trying to get out of class. And, um, and so this kid, I stopped it. I was like, we're going to stop it right here. And so this one kid asked, and I, I stopped it at him. 
And he just proceeded to cuss me out in front of everybody. And I was, I was like, I was not happy that he did that. I said, let's go outside. And we go outside the classroom. And the Lord just, he paused my heart because I remember he had told me before that school year, he said, you're going to have to take some shame upon yourself to reach these kids. (laughs) And in that moment, I was like, this is it. And the Lord gave me the words to say to this kid. I said, listen, I understand your mom and your dad or whoever you are around talk like this and that you may talk to them like this and you talk to all your friends like this and everywhere you go, this is the way you talk. But in fourth period U.S. history, we have a different culture. I said, I'm going to talk to you in a respectful way. You're going to talk to me in a respectful way. I have no problem with you disagreeing with me, but you got to, we've got to respect one another. Does that, do you understand that in fourth period, the way you just talked to me can't happen again? And he went, yes, sir. And I said, all right, go to the bathroom. And he went to the bathroom. And that kid was like my best friend the rest of the semester. But... I had to take the, I mean, he just cussed me out in front of 30 other kids. And that was the, mm, you, don't, you don't do that to me. You don't show me up like that. And that was the shame that you had to take. But my point is, is you, we have a culture where you, you do it with honor and respect. We're shoulder to shoulder. We fight together against the schemes of the enemy. We've got each other's back. We're back to back. We don't worry about what is behind us because we have each other's back. You want to add anything to that, baby? And this morning I want to talk about being doers and not hearers only. Um, I I changed it on my pad, but not up here. Here we go. Look at this right here. So this is what being a doer of the word should look like. You're sitting in your dad's lap learning how to drive the lawnmower. (laughs) And apparently, it looks like they're about to go down a 20-foot deep hill. I mean, I don't know what's going on right here. It's like, all right, son, hold on. And so, uh, this was clearly 1992 or something like this. Um, Look at the stick shift on that mower. I mean, and then they're closed. So, anyways, but this is, now, you might, somebody might tell you to not do that with your kid on the riding lawnmower nowadays, but. I sat in my dad's lap. My dad's here on the ride no more. Dad used to put me in his lap in the truck driving from Winterville Methodist Church to our, our house, which is only like half a mile down the road. But that was like the biggest thrill. Dad got the gas and brake. I'm on the steering wheel. And, you know, every now and then he'd reach over and kind of adjust the steering wheel. But I just remember, like, I'm driving home. And... Uh, but I love that. But that's the way when we, being doers of the word, you got to look at it as we're co-laboring with God, all right? Jesus said, so Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. This is in John chapter 5. He healed a man on the Sabbath, and all the Pharisees were upset. They're like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. We've got rules that you can't do that. Even Moses said, 
We, you can't do that. And this wasn't the first time that this has happened, but in this particular instance, Jesus said, my father is working up until now, and so am I. And so Jesus was saying, look, my dad was doing something. And I got I to gotta do what my father does. And he says, besides, he's Lord of the Sabbath. <laughs> so, you know, if I, make a, uh, if I make a coffee table out of wood and I want to use it, you know, it's this high, but I want to use it for a desk. I get to use it for a desk. Even though it may be at my knees, I can do whatever I want to with it. That may be, I may stand at my fence and brush my horse on that coffee table. But you might be you're like, no, that's a coffee table. You put magazines and coffee on there. It's like, no, I'm going to, this is my horse brush lifter. All right? So you make it, you get to do whatever you want to with it, right? This is the way, that's the Lord of the Sabbath. God's, the, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So if he wants to heal on it, then he gets to heal. And so part of, um, being doers of the word is also, you know, how we learn from our parents, how we learn from our mentors. And this is a common, this is a, a kind of a really simplified way of looking at how you learn from someone. So if I'm, if, if I'm discipling Jessica, which is not a real world example, I usually am learning from her. So I, but if I'm discipling Jessica, and I'm teaching her something new. The first thing I'm going to do is, so I'm teaching Jessica, let's say, how to shoot a basketball. I'll, I'll be like, all right, you watch, I do. So she's going to watch me shoot a basketball. The next step is I'm going to help her, or she's, she's going to help me, and I'm going to do. All right? The third step is she does, and I help her. So I'm help, I'm, maybe I'm behind her, showing her how to hold her arms. And then the next step is she does, and I watch. So you see, you, you flip it. You watch, I do. You help, I do. You do, I help. You do, I watch as the mentor. Does that make sense? And it's always better to learn through experience than just being told. How many of you um, would, re you know, if you, uh, say you had a father that you had never met, but he sent you letters all the time. But it was within his realm of possibility of him coming to see you. <laughs> would you rather read those letters or would you actually rather have your dad give you a hug? What would you rather have? Him writing you a letter telling him how much he loves you or you having him hug you? You'd rather have the hug. And so that's why the Bible is, you know, it's, it is God's love letter, but it's meant for you to actually encounter a hug from the Lord. It's meant for you to encounter the way a father handles his children. Like there's times, Hebrews 12 says, there's times where he disciplines us, where he, maybe he, take, he, he takes things away so that they don't become idols or they don't have more importance than they need to have. And this is what a father does. But being doers of the word is simply what Jesus said. I'm, I, I can only do what I see my father doing. It's abiding in him. 
And so James chapter 1 talks about this. It says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I've said that many times when I was angry. I was like, God, this doesn't produce your righteousness. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So we, have, we, re- we must receive the word of God with a teachable, humble heart, as if we need it. <laughs> but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. So what is this talking about? It's talking about finding out who God is and who you are. And so it's better to learn and gain understanding than, not that, but than pontificate about what you know. <laughs> and so you, you know, you, you can go on. You can, we can be f- so full of knowledge about God, but we don't, but we don't know God. And even when I, I went to seminary, I would have God. I remember we're, we're like in uh, orientation for seminary, and I just met guys. just like, man, I'm so, I'm so ready. Like, they were hungry. For God, but they, they were, and then at the end of the three years, they were not hungry. So what, what happened, it wasn't the seminary's fault, but what this guy, he, he thought that he was going to know more about God through knowledge rather than intimacy. Knowledge is, there's nothing wrong with it as long as you're actually getting a hug from your father. And when you read about, hey, says God likes to hug me and then but you gotta (laughs) get into that place where you actually experience that you gotta experience the word and part of experiencing God is that is obeying him so there's times where as we grow up and we mature you know what do you do with infants they're in your arms all the time they're being bottle fed. You're wiping their bottoms, changing their diapers. You're giving them all, just about everything they need. The most, you know, they, you give you, you you giving them a bottle. You you making sure they get enough sleep. You're clothing them. You're doing absolutely everything, and that's where we all start off. And then as you get older in the Lord, the Lord starts calling you. He's like, hey, um. You need to learn how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you're like, I don't know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Let me me show you. So the Lord shows you how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he says, no, you do. And you might make a huge mess, and he's all right with that. He's like, hey, let's make another one. You make another peanut butter, and and he might show you again. And you make another one, you make another, until you get good at making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And this is the process of maturity with the Lord. He's like, hey, now you know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now I'm going to teach you how to make a steak. And you're like, ooh, that's okay. 
And he teaches you that. And, he, and he's, God never, you never fail at, a, at anything. He just lets you keep trying over and over again. And so, but the, but the part is, if you, you know, God's always with us. We know that. The scripture says that. But, what, but just for our sake, there's times where the Lord is doing something. And let's say he, he's like, hey, Travis, I'm over here. I'm healing this man. Do you want to get in on it? And you, you make a decision whether to, to join him or not, and that's called abiding. And sometimes abiding comes through obedience, but you don't want to get the, the cart before the horse because in order to actually cultivate and be sensitive to his voice, you've got to spend time with him and his word. So you, to even recognize when he's calling you over here, You've got to be in communion with him and already just asking him questions, just like you would in a relationship with anybody else. I remember that's how that's where I remember the Lord clearly spoke that to me years ago. We were actually living in Texas and we had come back to Georgia for a visit and we were outside of Augusta um, eating dinner with some friends. No, we had just moved back to Georgia. It was like 2009. And uh, we were eating dinner with some friends who were stationed at Fort Gordon in Augusta went out to dinner, and there was a man that had a cast on in the table beside me, and I looked over at him, and I, right when I looked at him, I felt the Holy Spirit said, that's a really good opportunity to embody me right now. And what the Lord was saying is, he's like, I want you to pray for this man, because that's, that's what I desire. And so whenever you do that, whenever you obey the leading of the Lord, what happens is, is you end up getting blessed. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. How many of you, after you've ministered to somebody, you're like so full of the Spirit that you're, you didn't know who got ministered to? You were like, did I just minister to somebody or did I get ministered to? There, there's times like that where you get full because you obeyed the Lord. Right? And then, there, and then there's times where... The Lord, he's, um, obedience is stripping something away from you. I heard a guy, an evangelist, his name's Scott McNamara. He said, uh, a lot of the reasons Christians don't like doing evangelism is because it kills your flesh. And so, but he says, but if you die, you get over that. <laughs> uh, another Another guy, Ben Fitzgerald, he said all it takes is 10 good, solid rejections to lose the praise of man, the, the fear of man. <laughs> and so, there's those, so you have those times where the Lord fills you up, and then there, you have those times where he's, he's wanting to strip away. But it all comes through obedience, and it's all because he wants you to look like Jesus. He's conforming you into his image. But part of that conforming comes through our obedience. So the context of this scripture, he's saying, you know, our anger doesn't produce the results that God desires, and we need to stop associating with and ingesting evil and wicked things and humble our heart for, before the Lord to receive the implanted word. Now, this word doers is the word 
poetess, which, what, sounds like the word poem, right? It means you're a maker, a producer, an author, a performer, or one who obeys, a poet. And so the Passion Translation, it says this, verse 22, it says, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that's the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled in your heart. And so when we read and meditate on the word of God, it's showing us what God looks like and what we look like. So right here, this is your mirror. This is your mirror. It shows you what, you are, what we were created to look like. Um, you know, we were talking about how many of you, you met somebody, you know, you knew them before the Lord, and now you know them after the Lord, and you're just like, they are literally a new person. And it's because they stepped into who they were meant to be in Christ. They stepped in, this is, they, they saw who they were meant to be in the Word. And this is the process of, you know, I, you know, I had a friend, when she found out I was in ministry, she was like, that was the last thing I thought you would ever do. And, and so, um, when we read the word, it shows us what we, look, what we look like. But not only shows us what we look like, it shows us what God looks like, what our Father looks like. And so, if we simply hear or read the word and do not act upon it, we don't get to test the word. This is how we get testimonies is you have to test the word. And so if I look at this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. That's great. And then I don't do it. I just walk away, and I'm like, and it, basically what this pastor is saying, who am I? You walk away and forget who you are. And so you act like your old self, the part that's not in Christ, the part that's, you know, oppressed by sin and the devil. And so we deceive ourselves if we just read it and we don't act upon it. If you listen to the word, this is the Passion translation of it, and it, it does a good job of explaining it. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. And so, obedience causes us to experience God. It causes us to experience God. Maybe, you know, so there, there's things that God has commanded, you know, hey, be generous. Go make disciples. Uh, pray for the sick. Pray, pray for those. Give, give to the poor. All of these things are, are things that we have to, we're never going to experience that aspect of God unless we go for it. Unless we, we, we give to the poor, unless we um, are taking risks. And God, the only, the only way he operates is through faith. And it means... You have to find the awesome and the awkward. 
You have to find the awesome and the awkward. Because faith is in your in the old nature doesn't is not comfortable. It's awkward. You know, it might be uh, faux pas in certain by cultural norms and standards. So we experience God's blessing when we do that. And so part of it is, you know, if we get this knowledge and we don't act upon it, then it starts puffing us up. Paul said knowledge puffs up if we're not acting upon it, if we're not putting it into practice. And so even in seminary, uh, I was at a at chapel, and they were preaching on how tongues was supposed to operate in the church. The only thing is they don't don't pray in tongues. And so I remember sitting in the chapel, and I was like, how do we, how do you know how to do this? Because you're not, nobody's doing it. Nobody's praying in tongues. So like, how, why are you telling us how to do this? It was just, I was just being, I was just simple, I'm simple minded. That, but you know what I'm saying? I just was like, It'd be like me trying to teach you how to fly an airplane, and I've never flown an airplane. Do you want that guy teaching you to fly an airplane? You don't. And so I want to learn at least, like, if you're going to teach about praying in tongues, you got to be praying in tongues, right? (laughs) That only makes sense. And so you can go on and on, you know, down the list. It's like, hey, I'm. that's why people who have healing schools like Randy Clark and Bill Johnson. They, they've been praying for healing for a long time, you know, and they, they've seen God work. And there's times where obedience, you don't know what's on the other side until you do it. And you may not, it, it's obedience will awaken something in you. And so uh, last year, Maybe it was two years ago. We went to Six Flags. And that, how many of y'all have ridden the Goliath at Six Flags in Atlanta? All right. That thing is, I'm not a big fan of, I don't mind heights, but I don't like looking over the edge and there not being anything. You know, I, I like, if I'm up high, I like, to, you know, wide margins, you know. So that's why a screen machine doesn't bother me. I was like, there's like a walkway there. But first of all, Goliath is huge. And I would, I would look at that thing, I'd be like, man, I know that thing's fine, but that's just too tall. It's, 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 it doesn't have anything on the side. I don't like that. But two years ago, I was like, I'm riding Goliath. And I got up in there, and I was beside uh, Gracie Pilkington, who, you know, she's just like, yeah, party. And, um, and I'm just, I'm like this on the bar. I'm just like, I mean, I'm imprinting my hand into there i'm all i'm just like laser in focus like this ain't this don't talk to me this is not a party i'm overcoming something (laughs) and so we go up that hill and i'm just like are we like at 90 degrees right now i just felt like you're we're like this and that's bothering me and so we go over the hill and i told gracie so i'm gonna i'm going to scream all right just don't want to scare you because I can scream loud. And we go down that thing, and I was, I was, I was like, <gasps> I mean, it sounded just like, <sighs> you know, thankfully, 
It wasn't a high-pitched scream, but I was like, ah, ah, the whole time. And like Gracie's laughing because I'm screaming. I just not not letting up until we we finally, you know, we come to the end. And I I just, you know, I like stagger off the cart. And I was like, that was awesome. But my heart, I mean, like, I'm about like to have, I mean, my heart's like, I mean, total adrenaline rush. But I was just scared to death and loved it all at the same time. And now I was like, I'll go back on Goliath. I love that. That was awesome. And it was just pure speed. It wasn't all that twisty, curly stuff that makes you sick. And so, but when you, there might be a Goliath on the other side that's keeping you from doing something that you love, that you, that you just, you just got to get in there with your fear and all. And just get in there. Because it's not about you anyways, right? And so, like, when we, sh- when we share the gospel with people, it's not about your presentation. It's not about how smooth you are. It's not about any results. It's about the gospel. You know, I've heard it, this guy, uh, Scott McNamara, he's an ev- evangelist, and what his saying is that we share, he shakes. And that people are like ripe apples, and the, and the ones that are ripe, they're going to fall when he shakes the tree. And so all only responsibility is to share. We share, he shakes. But there's other, you know, there's, there's other areas of obedience in our life where Outside of sharing the gospel, you know, one time we, Jessica and I gave to something that was a ministry that we felt was actually not using the funds in the way we wanted to. It wasn't inappropriately, but it was just like we'd rather see the funds go towards something else. And the Lord's like, and so they were raising money for a, a beautification of a building. And we're like, well, you really need a van. <laughs> but the Lord said, no, I want you to give to this. It was, just all, it was a simple test of obedience. And when we did that, this ministry, this uh, church ended up giving us 10 times more than we, we sowed into it um, before we left for Texas. And, it's, and it was not about the church. It wasn't about where the money was going to. It was about obeying the voice of the Lord, right? Even, it's like, well, I don't agree with that. Well, it's like, that's, it's not about you. It's like, what is the Lord saying to do? <laughs> now, obviously, he's not going to violate scripture or what he's already said, but when it comes to personal preferences, he may violate that. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? That should convict us. <laughs> that convicts me. I just read that. I'm like, Ooh. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I, I tell you to do? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does, it's that same word, poeo, that we, about being doers of the word. Hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. 
And when her flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So the key to building a house on the rock is not just hearing Jesus' words, but acting upon them. If we want to be unshakable, we, we act upon Jesus' commandments because they've been tested, right? You're like, I know that when I give sacrificially, God's going to provide for, provide for my needs. There's promises all over in the scripture about that, about God providing for our needs. And so he's telling you to do something. The reason, why does God want you to give something that's uncomfortable for you? Does he like making you uncomfortable? Not necessarily, but what he really cares about is you experiencing who he is. So if that makes you uncomfortable, so be it. But sometimes we think God's just trying to, like, make life hard. That's a, that's a bad filter. But what, you, you got to understand any hard thing in your life right now is for the purpose of you experiencing who he truly is for removing any kind of filters and garbage that's in our eyes that keeps us from seeing him the way he truly is. And then in 1 John 3, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. (laughs) Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, if somebody says they're a Christian and they're going to strip clubs, I'm not going to say anything. God really, he is the judge. But I, I'm, I'm going to, def, I, this is why I tell people, I was like, my job, no matter who you are, is to help you get closer to Jesus. <laughs> so whether you know him or not, then if you don't know him, I want you to get to know him. If you claim to be a Christian and you're doing this type of stuff, it's like, dude, I don't know if you, you're really saying Jesus for who he truly is. Because he would not be, if you loved him, you wouldn't be doing this stuff. Graham Cook talks about there is a man committing adultery in their church, and they confronted him about it. He's like, you need to repent. He said, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. Or, excuse me, it wasn't adultery. It was uh, just sex outside of marriage. And uh, they're like, uh, this isn't, this is violating the standards of the Lord. He's like, well, God still loves me. He's like, yeah, God still loves you. I just don't know if you love him. And so, if Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And now listen, I, I, was, I was in that place of having premarital sex. And I, would, I was... Definitely like claiming Christianity, but one of the, what got me to the place of repentance was a word that Tom Tanner, who used to be the director of Wesley, preached. He preached out Revelation 3. He says, where Jesus says, I'd rather be either hot or cold, but not lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. 
And I was like, I don't know what being spit out of Jesus' mouth means, but it can't be good. And it haunted me. Bless Tom Tanner, Lord, and River Stone right now. And so that's the thing. Jesus is, the only thing he's doing in a strip club is rescuing people out of there. He's not putting $20 bills anywhere. And so it says if we practice these things, if you, we practice sinning. Now, all of us are sin, right? But practice means you're trying to get good at something. <laughs> so if I'm practicing going to the strip club, that's of the devil. <laughs> and so there's room to stumble and fall and have, a, and have slips. God's he's forgiving. He's the God. Of, he, he never gives up on us. When we come home like the prodigal son and we're repentant, he doesn't give up. He, he receives us with open arms. That's never been the question. The question is, do you want to go home? That's the question. In James chapter 2, it says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Cannot faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet do, <laughs> you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? I wish James just was shooting it straight with us. And so... Um, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may, say, may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. So if you have faith, it's childish works. But because it's the fruit, it's the fruit of believing. It's the fruit of believing. That's all it is. So you're not, we're not saying works is first, believing's first. But its fruit is, is the, the, the works that follow. And Jesus said that. He said, you're going to do greater works than I, which is a crazy promise, right? John 5, uh, chapter 5 says, and, and what, what Jesus is doing, what we're, what we're exposing here is, is uh, hypocrisy in our hearts. It says the, peace, the wisdom of God is without hypocrisy. What's the major problem the world has with Christians? Hypocrisy. That's the major problem. That's the major stumbling block that we throw out there. And part of the awakening's mission, it says to remove the stones in Isaiah 62.10. Part of that removing stones is we want to remove stumbling blocks. We, don't, we want to be sincere, honest. Hey, you're not, you don't have to be perfect, but don't try to be what I was in college. A Christian with one foot in the world and one foot trying to please God or whatever ways that I developed in my own head. You just can't do it. you got to be all in. You're either for him or you're against him. And John chapter 5, it says, For this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. 
And so here are a few of the commandments of Jesus. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He tells Satan to go. (laughs) Go. Pray for those who persecute you. Don't be worried about your life. Don't be worried about what you will eat. Don't be worried about what you will drink. Don't be worried about what you put on your body. So not worrying, God's commanding us to not worry anymore, (laughs) to not fret. And he's got, there's many, many more, but that would take a long time to read them. But there's things that Jesus has commanded us. And so... Um, I want to leave you with this. Just look at being doers of the word as God. It says in uh, Ephesians, I believe, it says that he's prepared works beforehand for us to walk in. So he's got this. He's got these things that we want to do. So imagine your father's like, hey. We're going, to take, we're going to go on a fishing trip to Montana. We're going to go ski boarding in Colorado. We're going to Australia. We're going to surf. I got all these things that we want to do, and I want you to go with me. We're going to go serve the poor in India. We're going to go uh, do a youth camp in Kenya. All these things that he's got for you prepared beforehand for you to walk in. He's already prepared the way for you, and he's with you. That's the main thing that I want you to go away with. Jesus is with you. And it doesn't matter what the results are. You can't make any kind of results. You ask somebody if you can pray for them, they're like, no, I'm good. You just abide in the Lord. You just co-labored with the Lord. Because Jesus said, they don't reject you, they reject me. So imagine Jesus standing there with you and they're saying no thanks to Jesus. It's not about you. that You didn't come up with the gospel. That wasn't your idea. And so I want to encourage you guys to simply abide in the Lord by doing what he's doing, listening to what he's saying. And there's, there's obviously, you know, there's times where he, we're more active than others. I, I get that. But even that's, Obeying, right? So let's stand up. I want to have the, the worship. And Jessica's got say what? All right, y'all sit back, sit back down. Jessica's got something. Yeah, I just had a, a one thing. Um, you can talk to Travis if you need to. You have something. You can, I'm sure you came for a reason. You can talk to him. <laughs> so um, I was just thinking about peanut butter sandwiches. How many of y'all remember making pe- your first peanut butter sandwiches? Like, did you rip the bread apart? Like, I totally, putting the peanut butter on bread is, like, not easy. It's still not easy for me, but I think I figured it out, you know? But I love that Travis used that example because I feel like even when I first started making peanut butter sandwiches, I thought more pressure was better, you know? You're like, and then you have just such a mess. And so um, even some of the things that I feel like Travis was talking about how you know, I want to, we want to go do these extravagant things with God. A lot of it starts with like peanut butter sandwiches where it's like very simple obedience. And so many of you are in that place and doing a phenomenal job. So just way to go on that. And um, Casey has a word for us um, 
as we kind of wrap up, I'm going to let her share. It's a corporate word, so. All right, so this is a word that I have been stewing on since January, sometimes with words. Um, Another little nugget of the prophetic, especially if it's corporate. I would say, okay, Lord, if this is for everybody, show me where it unfolds and even confirm it in other avenues. And so the Lord's been speaking to me about the parable of the ten virgins, where five were wise and had their oil and five were not. And I saw this picture of all these different vessels of oil. And I saw the wick and I saw the oils and I saw the vessels being drained of counterfeit oils or cheap oils, things that we would try to put in our vessels to sustain something that was never meant to be ours. And then I saw wicks being trimmed below the tip, the top of the vessel, so that our light couldn't shine as well. And so the Lord was also speaking to me about that being compromised. And so I would like to admit that I have felt a spiritual and emotional draining. Can I have anybody else admit that? Okay. So I want to just tell you that that's what's happening. You're being drained of the things that the Lord did not intend for you to carry. But I want to tell you that there's really good news. And I felt this so strongly this morning, but that he is putting his sustainable high-end costly oil back in your vessel. And I just want to encourage you that you're refreshing your renewal is not just coming, but it's actually happening right now. So I just wanted to bless you with that and maybe give you a grid of some of the stuff that you may have been going through the first part of the year, or maybe it's been seasons of, you know, three to five years of just this draining. And I thank the Lord that he is so loving to prune us and to drain us of things that were never meant for us, and that he is so quick to restore us with the things that were meant to be sustained in him. Thank you. So if you, uh, if you want to receive that, why don't you stand up? So God, I just, uh, so you just say to the Lord, God, I receive your sustainable oil, and I let go of any counterfeit oil that I've tried to sustain myself with. Just take a minute and just let those things go, things that we've tried to just keep the motor running with. I just let it go and let your fresh oil come through. Jesus, Holy Spirit, just pour in your fresh oil. We just make a commitment to give you our life for your life. We give you our ideas for your ideas. (laughs) 